1 Samuel chapter number 24 tonight. 1 Samuel chapter number 24. We're working our way through this book of the Bible, the story of David. And we find David at a moment in his life, a 10-year period where he's really running for his life because Saul is hot on his trail. Saul's so full of anger and rage and bitterness that he can't stand David and he's uh, using lots of the nation's resources in order to hunt him down and attempt to kill him. We watch over and over again that the Lord protects David and uh, is going to use this time to make David into the man that he needs to be. And uh, we're reminded that our trials are things that God uses. Uh, There's a book I have in my library. It's titled, The Bumps Are the Things We Climb On. (laughs) And uh, we get to the place where we hate to have little bumps in the road or uh, bumps along life's path, but the bumps are things we climb on. And uh, so David, we're going to see God use David in these troubles as he's writing the Psalms uh, and reflecting and being led by the Spirit of God to write the Psalms during these times to encourage and help us to know how to deal with affliction and how to trust God with our troubles and our problems. And when we come to chapter number 24, David has, uh, has had a little uh, reprieve for a short time from being chased by Saul because uh, if you remember right, the, at the conclusion of chapter number 23, uh, David and, uh, and his men are uh, in a wilderness and they go on one side of the mountain and Saul's men go on the other side of the mountain and then Saul's group of men encompass David and his men about and it looks like that they have come to the bitter end but just in the nick of time, uh, God's at work. Just in the nick of time, uh, a message comes that the Philistines are invading and Saul feels the need to retreat and go and fight the Philistines before they do any more damage in the nation of Israel. And David and his men are free. Saul gets some uh, word from his spies that David is hiding in a certain spot and uh, the uh, chase goes again. I don't sometimes I read these stories of David and I and Saul and I'm reminded of uh, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Uh and uh I, I'm so thankful. Uh if you are the roadrunner on Jesus' side, on Jesus' team, you can be certain that God is going to orchestrate a lot of things on your behalf. And uh, I'm thankful to be on the Lord's side because uh, we know that he is working things together for our good. We know that irregardless to the difficulties of the moment, we can trust in the promises of God. We can trust in the fact that God has a sovereign plan in our lives and we can rest in him and rest in his love and know that even though we may be going through deep waters and troubling times, God's on the throne. We can trust him. So we come to 1 Samuel chapter 24. We begin reading in verse number 1. It came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks and the, of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. 
Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Then David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee. But mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swear unto Saul. And Saul went home. But David and his men got them up, under the hold. And we come to this passage of Scripture and a fascinating story. It, I'd like to tell the story and work our way through it. But it begins like this. Saul has uh, been fighting the Philistines, but as soon as the battle with the Philistines is over, Saul is just once again infatuated with revenge. He's once again uh, covered up and just driven by his anger and rage. It's a sad state of affairs. It's a sad place to be. 
But I'll just tell you, it's not hard to get there. It's possible that Christian people in a church like this could become so infatuated with the troubles that they're facing and the difficulties that they have and the injustice that they've been served in the past or misconceptions about people like David and Saul had. Jealousy, whatever it is. It's very possible we can get so caught up with our anger that we allow it to drive us. There may be little seasons of distraction like Saul had. The Philistines had, uh, had come on and there was a distraction. And so Saul actually fought the battle he's supposed to fight. But it seemed like as soon as things got quiet again, there he goes again after David. Chasing after revenge that wasn't his to have anyway. Chasing after getting even, which was not his to have. And we see it over and over again, costing Saul. It cost him his life eventually. It cost him his future. cost his son's life. And oh, what a tragedy it is to watch Saul uh, self-destruct because of his bitterness and rage and anger. And folks, I'll just have you know something. Bitterness, rage, and anger has been doing the exact same work in the lives of people for longer than Saul has been alive, was alive. For all of the history of man, sin and bitterness and rage and envy has caused us and cost us greatly. May God help us not to fall into this trap. David begins to, Saul begins to pursue after David. And David is hiding in the wilderness of Engedi. It is a very rocky place. There's lots of cliffs. There's lots of mountains. As a matter of fact, there's a reference here in this passage of Scripture that David was hiding with his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Now you can imagine what that looks like, right? In a steep place. And Saul has found out that David and his men are hiding somewhere in that vicinity. And Saul gathers up 3,000 men. He's overreacting. David and his men were 600. Saul gathers up 3,000 choice fighters, and he goes after David. David and his men are hiding in the caves, and evidently Saul's intel was inaccurate because Saul has set up a camp somewhere near to the very cave that David and his men are hiding out in, and Saul needs to go and use the restroom. That's the bottom line. That's what it means. He goes to cover his feet. And uh, the Bible says when you go and you're going to cover your feet. He had to use the restroom. You can, there's a reference in the book of Deuteronomy, I think the 24th chapter. Uh, you can look it up sometime. If you want the actual reference, I'll show it to you. Uh, I've got it in my notes in my study. But there's an actual reference that the Old Testament law gave very specific commands to armies and, uh, and groups of warriors for the nation of Israel that when they used the restroom, they were to go outside of the camp and they were to carry a little shovel and take care of business and sanitation was really important. And so here's Saul. He goes away from the camp. He's in a very vulnerable position. He's using the restroom in the edge of the very tent, of the very cave that David and his men are hiding out in. Evidently, the lay of the land is there's great big caves, and David and his men were hiding out in the edges of the caves. And David and his men see what's going on and identify and recognize who it is. And there's a whisper in the cave. When I read this, uh, it's it's not good and right to do that when I'm reading to the crowd. But when I began to read it, I was tempted to.
<laughs> really, David's men, they're like, David, here's the, t- chance, here's the moment that the Lord has been preparing for you. And David, with great wisdom, says, oh, no, 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 that's not it. God didn't call me to kill him. It's not my duty and my job to revenge my name with him. And so David sneaks up on Saul, cuts off the skirt of his garment, just a little piece of, a little clipping of his garment that was really close to him. Saul's finished, goes outside of the cave and goes a safe distance away. David steps out of the cave. And David doesn't step outside the cave and take that skirt of of Saul's garment and wave it at him and say, Nanner, nanner, boo-boo. I gotcha. He takes that skirt of garment and he's already convicted in his heart that he's raised his hand against God's anointed. And when he calls out for Saul, he bows himself before Saul. And he says, my, calls him my Lord, calls him my Father, reverences him. And he reminds Saul that, Saul, I could have killed you. He says, you've got people telling you all kinds of things about me that aren't true, but I've proven just now that it's not in my heart to kill you. And he says something that I think is so important in verses 12 and 13. David speaking to Saul. He says in the conclusion of verse 11, I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. Verse 12 David says, the Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. Verse 13, as saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. Now, David says something twice. He says, I hold the skirt, this little piece of cloth that I cut from your garment that proves that when you were in a vulnerable spot, at a vulnerable moment, when I could have taken your life, it proves, King Saul, that I am not here to kill you. He said, I've determined in my heart, irregardless to your actions, that mine hands shall not be upon thee. He reminds him of a proverb not one we find in our book of the Proverbs, but an ancient proverb. It just says basically, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked. And David says, I'm not going to be wicked. I'm not going to be sinful. I'm not going to sin against you. I'm not going to sin against God. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm not going to act out just because I'm being treated unjustly. I'm going to trust you, the Lord, with you, Saul. And he says two times the same thing. Mine hand shall not be upon thee. Mine hand shall not be upon thee. And that's the title of our message tonight. My hand shall not be upon thee. I'll tell you, David, so far in his life, has won lots of battles. Can you think about all the battles that David has already won? He won a battle with a lion and a bear as a tender of the sheep he's won a battle with the giant Goliath 
He's won battle after battle after battle as he's been sent out as a soldier and a leader in the nation of Israel fighting against the enemies of God's people. Lots of battles. But I'm not so sure that in chapter number 24, David doesn't win the greatest battle of his life. He wins the battle over revenge, personal revenge. He wins the battle over self-control. He wins the battle over trusting the Lord rather than acting sinfully to get what we perceive is right and just. David wins a great battle when he says to King Saul, my hand shall not be upon thee. My hand shall not be upon thee. Let's consider four things here in this passage of Scripture. Number one, David proves to be a man of discernment and control. Number one, was this a, he had to discern whether this was opportunity or temptation. If you're taking notes, I'd write those two words down. Was this opportunity or temptation? Now, when we come to the first four verses of this passage of Scripture, Saul takes his 3,000 chosen men in verse number 2 and, uh, to seek out David. In verse number 3, Saul has taken his men. He's excused himself from his 3,000 soldiers and found a place to cover his feet. And David and his men remain in the sides of the caves. At this moment, the men of David have a great idea. In verse number 4, they say, Behold the day which the Lord said unto thee. Now, now this is kind of interesting. There's no record that the Lord said anywhere that he would give Saul to David so Saul could kill him. But these men, and well-intentioned, they loved David. They hated Saul. Well-intentioned. They said, the Lord's giving you all. They said, as far as we can tell, this is, the, this is, we, this is God's word on this thing. The Lord said he's going to let you have him. Here's your chance. And David arises and cuts off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. Does David stand up and kill Saul? No. He discerns between opportunity and temptation. Was this opportunity or was this temptation? And he saw that it was temptation. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. He says, my hand shall not be upon thee. Now, let me tell you something. Some people have this idea, majority rule. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't agree. The Bible says let the whole world be wrong and God be true. There's no room for majority rule. There is a thin line. The Word of God is our authority. The Word of God is our truth. The Word of God is what trumps no matter what anyone votes or not anyone believes. The Word of God is what is right. And this group of men, well-intentioned, in a heart of love for David, said, David, you can end this right now, but David says something. He does something wise. He says, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. My hand shall not be upon thee. Now, folks, just because you have an opportunity to settle the score doesn't mean that it's right. How many times have we wasted our lives and our energy trying to get even 
Oh, David learned easily and soon and quick and thankfully. He learned that this was not an opportunity to get even. This was a temptation to do what was wrong. Number two, principle or passion. In verse 5, the Bible says, It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. Now, do you think that it crossed David's mind to put this thing to an end? Absolutely, yes. I'm certain it did. Sometimes in cartoons you see that the little emblem. Uh, you have the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other. I don't think it's exactly how it works. But the bottom line is we're often tempted to do the wrong thing or the right thing. Now, in this moment, David had to do something and make a decision that was not based on passion. How many of you have ever got worked up and did something you wish you didn't? <laughs> Boy, that happens, doesn't it? Passion. You see, we should rule our passion with principle. In the back of David's mind, he's going to mention, mention it to us in just a moment. He's going to actually say it to Saul. He's thinking about what Saul's been doing. He says, Saul, there's an old proverb that says, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked. He said, you're the ones acting wickedly and I'm not. He says, I'm not going to let wickedness rule in my life. He said, I'm going to choose principle over passion. Principle over passion. Folks, I want to encourage you to do something. In these passionate moments of life, instead of losing your temper and running your mouth, may we learn to patiently wait and go to God's Word and ask God to give us wisdom to react and respond correctly in moments of great passion. Oh, I pray the Lord will help us. I pray even this week, as we get to the, these moments, they're going to happen. How many of you, be honest, you had a moment last week where passion boiled up and you had to really be careful? How, how many of you had a moment like that last week? I did. I see all those hands. God bless you. You're in good company. Now look, there's a good chance that this week you're going to have a moment like that again. Now I didn't ask if you succeeded or failed last week because fortunately if you've asked the Lord to forgive you about last week, He has, and you've got a new opportunity today and tomorrow and this upcoming week. You don't need to be praying, Lord. Will you help me this week? In a moment where I can be ruled by my passion to instead of acting out in anger or bitterness or fear or some other sinful behavior, Lord, will you give me principles? Will you help me to respond according to your word, to respond correctly, righteously? Oh, I pray the Lord will help us. I pray this week when we get ready to go, Rawr. I know you've done it before. I pray the Lord will remind us that when David had a chance 
to passionately do something that the whole world would say, yeah, go get him, good for him. But God would have frowned on. I pray we'll be reminded of that moment when David said, no, boys. No, we're not going to do that. No, my hand shall not be upon thee. I'm not going to do that. David discerned the difference between opportunity and temptation. David reacted according to principle as opposed to passion. Number three, David chose righteousness over wickedness. In verse 8, the Bible says, David arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. I like the humility of David. Now, how many of you know that when you've been undone, it's hard to act humbly towards that person? It is, isn't it? But you know what, David? He did what was right. He humbled himself before somebody that really didn't deserve his humility. But I'll just have you know something. It's a key. It's a secret. It's a very important element of winning the battle over wickedness is to humble ourselves and do what's right even though it doesn't feel right at the moment. He chose righteousness over wickedness. He bowed himself. Verse 9, David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. He says, Why are you listening to the lies of these men? God gave an opportunity to make his case. He says, I've gotten my hand in verse 11, the skirt of thy robe. He says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to kill you. He says, And I'm not going to act wickedly. One of my favorite Bible principles, if you've been around very long, you've heard me talk about it. One of my favorite Bible principles is the principle of doing what is right, especially when we're tempted to do what is wrong. You see, the world justifies revenge. The world justifies us acting out because when we've been undone. The world uses trouble from the past to justify sins of the present. And it's never right. You meet children along the way and teenagers counsel with so many and they act like devils. And you say, why in the world do you act this way? Why are you acting like this? Because my mom and dad got divorced. Because my dad did this. Because my mom did this. Because my grandpa did that. And I often remind young people as I'm counseling with them and old people too, you cannot let the sins and transgressions of somebody in the past affect you now so badly that you do the wrong thing. That's exactly what the devil wants. The devil wants you, because you've been undone, to act like a devil and ruin your hopes for the future. Oh, it's a trap. It's a thing that the devil does. And so David was tempted. But I want you to know I'm so thankful that David chose righteousness over wickedness. And he said, my hand shall not be upon thee. Finally, number four, Saul. Saul chose emotion over repentance. 
Now, Saul does something really interesting. If you don't know the rest of the story, when you hear Saul talking in the end of chapter 24, you think, oh, wow, we've made some progress. Listen to Saul. David has proven to him. The evidence is clear that I, I didn't come to kill you. I could have, but I didn't. I won't. I'm on the right side of this thing. The Bible says, verse 16, it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Listen, there's David. Oh, wow, look, Saul's crying. We're making progress. Saul's crying. Verse 17, he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I. And all God's people said, Amen. Saul, you're low down good for nothing. For thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. That's right, isn't it? Wow, listen to him. Verse 18. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. Verse 19. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? He says, you've done something unusual. This is not what... That you normally do to your enemy. Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. Verse 20. And now, behold. This is Saul talking to David. Why is Saul seeking to kill David? Because he's so full of anger and rage. And he believes that David is out to get his throne as the next king. And here's what Dave, Saul says to David. And now, behold, verse 20. I know well that thou shalt surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. He says, oh, you're going to be the next king. David, you're going to be the next king. Verse 21, Saul says to David, Swear now therefore unto me my, by the Lord, that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that I will not destroy my name out of my father's house. He says, David, promise me something. When you become the king, you won't destroy my name. My father's house. We know the story of Mephibosheth. We'll talk about him in the near future. Mephibosheth was the son of Saul, a son of Jonathan. And David indeed, and certainly brings him in to his home and keeps the name of Saul alive in the nation of Israel. But here's Saul, he says, when you become the king, promise me. Verse 22, and David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men got them up under the hold. Now, if I hadn't read ahead, I'd think, well, hallelujah. Saul's had a come-to-Jesus moment. But you know what's happening here? Emotion rather than repentance. And Saul is emotional. Saul is weeping and crying. Saul has been beaten. Saul is so right at this moment about what's really going on, but Saul is so rotten that even though he knows that what he's doing is wrong, he loves his sin more than he loves the opportunity to get right with God and have a renewed opportunity and repent and turn. I want you to know something. I am confident that at this moment, had Saul repented of his sin 
and trust in the Lord. We know David isn't going to kill him. We know God would have forgiven him. But he has an emotional experience of guilt as opposed to repentance, turning to the Lord. Do you know why? Because he loved himself, his sin, and his personal mission more than he loved God. It's the thing that set David and Saul apart. David was able to say, I think in verse number 12, if you look at it with me. He says, the Lord judged between me and thee. He says, the Lord's going to have to determine who's right, me or you. He says, and the Lord is going to have to avenge me of thee because I am not going to raise my hand against thee. Mine hand shall not be upon thee. But old Saul, guess what he does? He cries. He confesses. He admits that. He's living like the devil. But in two chapters, guess what? He's back on the war path. Doing what his flesh wants. And he hasn't turned to the Lord. Now, folks, when I read this story, I think, my lands, what a victory God gave David. He got victory over taking matters in his own hands and he got victory as he decided to live a principled life and then I look at Saul and I think oh bless him Lord I think oh my what an awful thing but I want you to know and I want you to ask the Lord Lord can I see myself in Saul you've got so caught up with your hatred towards someone You got so bent out of shape because of the actions and the deeds of somebody. You've become so infatuated with your mission of revenge that there are times you cry and know and are sad that you're in such a terrible shape, but you will not turn from your sin. You will not repent of your sin. You will not get the help that you need. You just cry about it. Tally-ho, on your mission of self-destruction, going further and further and deeper and deeper into your sin, don't fall into the trap of Saul. Don't fall in the trap of Saul. Instead of just getting emotional and acknowledging how rotten you are, humble yourself before God, repent of your sin, Find somebody, another Christian, that can bear up under the burden that you're bearing and help you and encourage you and keep you accountable. But get right with God. Don't fall into the trap of Saul. We read ahead and we know that he just keeps on keeping on pursuing David. David never ever has to lift his hand against King Saul. You know why? Because there comes a day in the very near future on a battlefield that Saul kills himself with his own sword. And that's what happens. When you determine to continue in the spirit of a Saul. But there is an alternative. David says, you know what? 
Wickedness comes out of wicked people. And he says, my hand shall not be upon thee. He says, look, God, I'm trusting you with Saul. I'm trusting you with the enemy. I'm trusting you to meet the need. And I will not, with your help, I will not act sinfully in this situation. I trust you. I trust the fact that righteousness will prevail. I trust the fact that truth will stand the test. I trust the fact that vengeance is yours. And David says it just like this, My hand shall not be upon thee. May we take heart to this Bible truth. May we follow in the footsteps of David and not Saul.